Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Happy Friday. My name's Indy, and the gentleman next to me, that's Jay Powell, the big boss of Powell Group Consulting and Indie Game Business. And welcome to Indie Game Business. We've got Marcin from Sirius Sim. He's a technical artist and board member. And the topic for discussion today is how to find a publisher for your indie game and Unity. <laughs> and talking about <laughs> Unity. <clears throat> <laughs> and talking yeah. about Unity. Welcome, Marcin. A lot of interesting so developments in the past mm -hmm. few days. Yeah. Um, well, let's start where we always start, Marcin, and tell us how you originally got into the industry and walk us through your career to this point. Um, right. So I think my entry to the, to the business was a bit unorthodox. Um, so um, I was, uh, in a way, aligned a lot of from from very early age with gra computer graphics in one way or, or the other, but never professionally. So it was always a hobby when it comes to back in the day, way back, 3D Studio Max, some photography, filming. Um, also as a hobby, um, I had my longtime uh, childhood friend, still my best friend, uh, Kuba, who, who, with whom we were, you know, making some small games or just having fun, playing around the house or creating some real-time strategy games with Lego blocks or or things like that. Um, so it was constantly this type of sphere and creativity aspect was around me, uh, but my um, my so to say, career focus was more mechanical engineering. And that was all up till right before COVID hit, in a way. I, I was living abroad, uh, so it was, what, over three years ago uh, when I was coming back uh, to my home country, Poland. And I was also talking with Kuba in a sense, like, oh, I'm not really sure what, what to do with myself and it's going to be really new and what's going on back home. And um, back then, Sirius Sim was, in a way, had their first successful release. So that was Radio Commander. And we are talking back and forth with Kuba, where he said, basically, look, like we have some cool ideas for our future development. And we are looking for, for another person. We're trying to expand slowly. Uh, so from word to word, we went, OK, maybe you'd like to try out maybe you'd like to go you know for a, for a junior position and you'll see how it how it works and from word to word this is how it all started um i came into the company right when we were working on our uh, dlc for radio commander 
and been there since. So this is how, how we started. You know, a lot of intensive learning at the beginning. Um, but yeah, feeling comfortable at, uh, at the job and, and, and staying strong. All right, and so so everyone is, is clear, you all are a developer that self-publishes or are you publishing other people's games? Um, we are, uh, we are, we do have publishers, uh, but we've so far, at least we're publish, we are creating our own ideas. So we are not creating other ideas. Uh, the games we make, we are looking for publishers. We're not self publishing, um, yet if, <laughs> if it will be possible uh, with the budgeting required, uh, yeah, we're open to the idea, but so far the projects that we are creating, uh, we do require a publisher. So, I mean, just jumping feet first into this, and, and we're going to touch on the Unity stuff in, in a little bit, mm -hmm. because you all use Unity as, as well. So you're wrapped up in, in all of this mess, you know, in a little bit. Um, you all are completely remote, correct? Yes. So how did you manage all of the communication and the project management and everything else along those lines in order to get the game to a stage where you could go get a publisher? Um, well, this is something that, um, in a sense, um, all studios, I think at this point, had to experience in some one way or another, right? With the COVID pandemic, there was at least a few months of this total you know, informational black hole where nobody knew what was going on. Everybody had an experience of going um, remotely at, at some, some capacity. But um, when we started the, at the beginning, the four of us, uh, so it was me, Kuba, uh, Kasia, and Tomek, uh, we are the original sort of, at least the, the core team, the, the, the board members, the creators of the, of the firm. So um, from the get-go, uh, we were always working uh, remotely. We never had this period of like office space, office work, because we were um, spaced in different towns. Uh, so this is how we uh, how we emerged and how we started. So in a sense, we never knew better. <laughs> we never experienced, you know, office uh, office work at least at the beginning. And um, when it comes to you know like communication, this is uh, one of like the most beautiful anecdotes that we floating around in our firm is the story that uh, Kuba often tells. Um, he's doing some um, some teaching at the Warsaw um, Creative University, where he is teaching. Also, there's a program about game design, so he's a lecturer there. And um, he did. The, they were recruiting new students, right? So people were applying for for the program, and there was a panel of people um, reviewing their applications. And one of the basic questions to all the applicants was, "Okay, what do you find most difficult in game design? What do you think will be the most difficult on this program?" And there were so many questions and answers, and people were you know answering, "Oh yeah, I always thought programming was really hard and it was super super difficult for me, and I'll never know how I'll get." To know that or people are answering yeah creating interesting characters and writing dialogue is something that i think is more the most hard thing to ever create 
and the whole Kuba said no is saying the whole panel was like yeah that's very hard but very hard but it back in the mind they all had this one thing that is the most difficult and it's actually communication and whenever we also this is our mantra inside the firm is the the, the, the way to communicate and to have some clear guidelines uh, in the company of how we want to communicate when to communicate is uh, in a sense a backbone of a functioning game development company especially if there's more than two or three people working on a project uh, the moment like you hit three or four people and you need to exchange ideas and you need to explain to one another who is responsible for what uh, who is uh, who is doing what task uh that's basically without that it's it's impossible to to create anything especially remotely um so uh for us at least at the beginning we were relying strongly on because there was so little of us um either daily meetings or basically discord and chat and a lot of chatting and because we had such different functions and each of our um responsibility area or bubble was so very different. There was not a lot of overlap. Um, it worked really well. Uh, we had, um, each of us had specific tasks uh, to create um, the tasker we were in the background that was also, you know, like we were, that we were using is hack and plan. So a typical Kanban, you know, block by block, putting blocks from, from side to side and it works it works really well um but the moment the team started expanding right so the moment we went from four people to eight people then to ten people um it really the the communication shift right the way that you have to structure your evil daily meetings or weekly meetings or just uh, requesting some kind of tasks from other people. Um, this went from semi-difficult, at least at the beginning, right? Whether it's all new to us, uh, went from new to we have to figure something out because we, it's not working, right? There are some, uh, some difficulties of actually getting work done because you're waiting for a response from somebody or um, he's not sure with, if what you are working on is uh, the thing that you should be working on. Um, so yes, um, this is something that uh, when it comes to remote, uh, remote work, it's super important to have those base rules established. When it comes to what you, for, from our side, one comes to like some strict uh, important, from our side, some important stuff. Um, be it typical daily meetings or weekly meetings when it comes to things like, okay, we need to have at least a small list of what things we need to discuss and not, not to make some, you know, like open meetings where everybody can just go and chat. What do we have actual agenda for each meeting, which seems, you know, sometimes obnoxious to create or that you're limiting your creative ideas, but without that, you're just, you no. Know, you could say wasting time, right? Because there's a lot of ideas flowing around and a lot of, there's a lot of chit chat, but not much work is actually done. Uh, so that's, that's one thing when it comes to remote working. And it went up to this idea where we actually, 
did say that okay just working with you know like camera people and this torso that you see in the camera is not enough uh, so we did end up uh, creating a venue, so to say, for us to meet at least every two months or a month and a half. Uh, because even though, as I said, we did start, we didn't know any better when it comes to office work. We do uh, recognize the, the importance of meeting somebody face to face. And I will say that even if somebody loves working uh, remotely, that he's, there's something that is very comfortable with him. Um, as, as, a like from personal experience, I do believe that this human connection from time to time, be it, you know, once every two months, even once in you, every quarter, there's no other way. Um, it is a good idea for the team to meet and just even at a, doesn't have to be work talk. It could be just, you no know, like a loose fluid exchange, idea exchange when it comes to thoughts and opinions and just to see the human side behind this camera person that you see most of the time, right? Or the chat person that is just writing some cool jokes and ideas. Um, so yeah, this is how we've been operating so far. Uh, and it works for us. I'm sure it won't work for everybody, but also the people that we are recruiting and also the people that we are getting on board we're always informed of that. And if they didn't feel comfortable with that, then we we, we never you know in a sense uh, disguise this as a, a different type of arrangement. So if it's something that you're comfortable, so the people that we're working with are comfortable with, then this is the way we work so far. So were there any, or are there, not necessarily were there, are there any specific tools that you all use for communication that you found helps keep everybody on the same page and on task? So when it comes to specific tools, uh, in, uh, inside we use Discord for our day-to-day -day communication, and we find it very sufficient when it comes to uh, the way we have our uh, servers structured between different um, different setups, be it you know, uh, design ideas, music, specific channels where people write and chat about to um, voice uh, voice rooms for specific things. So that's our daily communication. Uh, when it comes to a task uh, and you know, this higher level uh, communication, as I said, we use Hack and Plan. And again, we find the tool very useful and we found accustomed to it. They did do a weird UI change lately and we don't quite we're not sure about that. <laughs> that is something that um, you know, we're still trying to get used to it. We like the old one better. And also for when it comes to some design meetings, when we all want to, uh, for us to draw around and, and create, we are using a Miro, uh, the, the, the whiteboarding um, app, web app. And it helps around when it comes to showcasing some ideas and everybody can get around and vote or write and it's very easy to use and very fun uh, so those are our basic communication tools um, and we find for us for this team of around 14 15 people it's it's sufficient right it's not as complicated as some bigger ideas or jira or, or other programs uh, but when it comes to this um this quick ease of use and quick uh, the way the responsiveness those two are, are enough sufficient for us. 
So, I mean, aside from the communication issues, were there any other big changes that had to be factored in when you went from four people to 15? Because to some folks that may not sound like a lot, but that's a lot. In some sense, it was also for all of us, it was, um, it was surprising how big the change was for us. Um, so when we, the, our first expansion was for, from four, from, sorry, from four people to eight people. And this first expansion actually went without pretty big differences in our sense, because I said we had pretty compartmentalized responsibilities, right? We had, um, Tomek was a writer. I was, uh, I was our technical artist and responsible for the VFX and shader work and technical issues. Kuba was our main programmer and Kasia was our, um, could you give me strictly 30 seconds? Cause I think yeah, somebody's yeah. at the door. So sorry. Oh, thanks Dan for kicking that right back to me that I, I greatly appreciate that. So in the meantime, um, any any questions? Do we want to go ahead and start talking about Unity now, or are we going to wait? I, I feel like we should wait. Just you should wait just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> just wait for him. There was that question um, from uh, Nassim. Yeah, just go ahead and reach out to Jay after the show, and Jay will give you all the good information about. Uh, VR publishers. Um, yeah, and if you, it's like I, I don't mind plugging what we're doing right here for a second. Um, Pebs, if you can post the game submission link in there. So anybody out there, if you've got PC, console, mobile, VR, whatever, and you're looking for a publisher or an investor, Pebs is going to post a link to our submission form. That's always the first step. Put it in there, and we'll take a look at it. Uh, and then let you know if it's something that we can help with or if it's a fit for one of our clients or, or any of those things. And while we're here, uh, don't forget, we got a conference coming up in like less than two weeks. Yes. Um, already got more signups and attendees than we've had probably in the last two years. So go to indiegame.business. There's a link to get your tickets down there. Um, Martian's back here. Right. Um if you need to meet with publishers, developers, investors, marketing firms, whatever. Yeah, it's a great network. Great, great set of videos. There's going to be 18 or 16 right now. There could be 18. And it's also amazing for networking with publishers and other entities. Yeah, so sorry for that. <laughs> yeah, there was a neighbor that had a very important issue that couldn't wait. So it's all good. That's perfectly fine. Um, so let's talk about your your road to a publisher on your second title because you you all self-published the first game, right? Um, it was it wasn't self-published. Uh, there was uh, uh, an amount of self-publishing, so to say, because we did have a Kickstarter that it was basically we were promoting, but the Kickstarter wasn't the main financing uh, tool for the game. It still was um, published by games operators, and they were the publisher, and but they were the, the main financing body behind the game. And the Kickstarter was basically 
in a way a marketing tool for us right it did provide uh, it was a successful successful kickstarter it did provide some financial backing uh, but uh, still at least it do in those days and i believe it still often is uh, it's mostly a marketing tool in a sense when it comes to you know, financing a, a product a budgeting a, a tool um but still yeah going back to the second second our second title um heading out um it was a long road so to say and uh, the 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 way we the way we approached i think um looking for a uh, for a publisher was um it was a lot of lessons learned right so uh, as always we 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 emerge battle hardened and with a lot of experience but the way to get to that point uh, was there was a lot of stress and there was a lot of um how to, how to say it um bad you know experiences with with many publishers so in a uh, in a short you know like a bullet idea the the idea for the new game uh, started in in a sense emerging um allow around july uh 2020 um so that was when we had our big meetings uh, we had released our uh, dlc for radio commander it was in a sense for us as the first product on the store uh, a success uh, games operators were happy with with what we created, but when we were thinking of the next game, uh, the, the the scope of the of the next project we wanted to to have, we wanted to create a a bigger project. Wanted to, in a sense, expand. This is games operators as a publisher. Um, that's not the target. That's not the game target for them. They prefer smaller uh, projects so um creating from idea idea creating building the prototype we're always thinking of a bigger publisher and creating and looking for um for a bigger budget right because we also are thinking still of expanding the team um once we hit in a sense a reasonably uh, interesting demo um just this backbone the skeleton of an idea of a game still something that we are creating the four of us right just still the four of us um for a game that in the end right now there's 15 people working on it so this is the the way that we're creating this this is prototype for the game uh, thinking about the pitch decks and uh, create creating the game design documents and all that and the moment we have everything ready and we think okay this is something that could create interest right this could spark some interest and somebody could say yeah we can market that we can sell that this is when we push it out everywhere um all the contact lists all the publishers uh, all the information we sent out and i believe very very quickly we we got hit with this very uneasy feeling that it's going to be a lot harder than we initially thought. So we had this, this notion, this idea, at least back then, as still as a young team, young, young company, that because we had already, in a sense, a released product that was 
financially successful on uh, on the store and where we have a working demo it's not just a napkin idea it's a working concept of a game with a well done budget and gdd and a really cool pitch deck and a specific idea behind the game then the budget we are asking is nothing was nothing you know like out of the ordinary especially for as we thought for uh abroad you know like a um uh, for a broad publisher. And we very quickly got hit with this wall that no, it's not, it's not going to be that easy. And uh, there was some grievances that we that we felt. Um, the amount of the amount of um, meetings that we had, you know, because of course the first layer, you always get hit back all the bounced uh, mails, right? and the myth deadlines by the by the publishers when it comes to the um, there's some follow-up questions always behind the mail and there's some information from the publishers that they'll be sure to respond after a week or two weeks but it's never two weeks it's never one week it's often you know five six weeks or if you ping them five six five times to to get a response so there is what a lot of time wasted there uh, then came the meetings and we also remembered all those meetings where, uh, to be very truthful, um, we did feel that almost all of them, um, it was this sort of meet and greet and really nothing else. And in a sense, a lot of them, we felt that for those big companies, be it a big publisher or a small pu publisher, um, we also felt a little bit hurt that um, nobody behind the people that made the decisions were willing to uh, get familiar with the information that we sent them beforehand, uh, be it the demo or the pitch decks or the documentation that we sent, the ideas behind the budgeting. Um, a huge amount of those information that was already in the documents, it was just asked again in a way at those meetings, right? So. Uh, what is the game about? Uh, what's what will be the length? What is your budget? What do you require from the publisher? And it's a sense it was just you know, like repeating the things that we already sent you guys. And there's nothing concrete about this meeting, so to say. It's just like this, this, this raw, weird meet and greet. But in a sense, we a little bit um, felt that we could move a little bit forward in some of those meetings either get a positive or negative response, but this is just something that, you know, we're bouncing ideas, but not getting anywhere, right? And then also came this, this big problem with the developers. You know, they often say at the, you know, at your, uh, at their contact page, you know, like it's never too early to contact us and send us whatever you have, whatever idea you, you have, just bring it to us and we'll evaluate it. And in a sense, um, we had a working demo. Um, we called it vertical slice, but it wasn't a full vertical slice. It was more a prototype stage, but still playable, right? A playable product. And a huge amount of the response we got, right? And the feedback we got was basically this idea of, you know, um, oh, there's some performance issues on level two 
or you know there are some missing options in the options panel and we all very quickly like and like why are you trying to in a sense review this 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 you know basically a skeleton of a game in in a way that should be like create almost like a final product some of the some of the feedback we got was very in a sense nitpicky so to say and we are very baffled by it that you know we always thought like big publishers people that decide where the money will go or something especially they should have this uh, this imagination of um how to envision like where the game can go forward with this right that almost everything that you see is placeholder placeholder in one way or another but very often we're having yeah this graphic is you know has a line over here and i don't think it should be here or it's we always were passing like that's not the important part of the of the demo right this is not something that you should see as a person that is reviewing a, a product so this whole process uh took a lot of time and this is the moment where you know uh this another big uh, big grievance that we had looking for the publisher was the, the this lack of ideas of this lack of feedback right like concrete um feedback of what is what is the the lacking sauce so to say right why are we not moving forward is it the genre is it the budgeting is it the way it looks is it just that they know that the game idea is bad overall there was nothing all of that we had all the always all the positives but you know that the game looks great it sounds great it's very cool and everything but very often what was just shelved and this lack of this like concrete ideas of what could we do to make it better or to make it you actually go forward with it was very often lacking and we thought that very also uh, like uh, it was as baffling to us really weirded us out but still um because it was going nowhere we went to the drawing board right one of the publishers gave us actually credible feedback we had they gave us some ideas of what could make the game interesting so we went back to the drawing board reworked uh, some of the original ideas we added that to the scope of the game. We quickly prototyped the, the additional features in. So that's the moment where the project expanded a little bit when it comes to its scope and its ideas. And uh, around, it was, I believe, December, we did another round of publisher, publisher search. And after some time, and that was actually a big you know, weight of our chest, uh, we did head in a, one sense of another a jackpot. So uh, we were able to very quickly, actually, from when the meetings actually started, uh, very quickly uh, to uh, find and sign a, a publishing deal. Um, unfortunately, because of an AD, uh, NDA, I cannot get into the details yet. Um, once everything clears and settles, I'm sure we'll be uh, able to go forward. And there are some, also some interesting stories there. Uh, but yeah, the moment we got signed, this is when the whole shebang started. Like we very quickly, the budget got cleared, uh, the production cycle got cleared. So that's the moment when you know, we got new people on board, 
and the whole project kicked off in a sense. We did get into the underground in a sense. Uh, so I'm sure there's still some very old marketing materials working around and lurking around in the internet. But I assure you that the game has moved a lot forward from what you can see. I believe even the, the game is still on the old store page is on Steam. And you can find a very old trailer on our on our YouTube channel. Uh, but yeah, since we got the publisher and since we expanded the team, uh, it's a completely different game, right? So um, yeah, that's where we are right now. Indie game business has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all those speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. So a good question from Emmanuel coming in. What were the main negotiation and discussions about when it came to determine the amount of the funding? Are advances on royalties a sensitive point? So from our experience, and I hope this won't be a disappointing answer, um, from our experience, um, publishers rarely negotiated with us um, when it comes to uh, budgeting per se. And this is also what, this is one of those things that was always weirded us out, right? When we were having those initial discussions and initial uh, pitch documentation was floating around, uh, the moment they said, we're not interested, there was no more negotiations, right? It never bounced off this idea. We like the game, we think it's cool, but the budget is a little bit lower. Could you, for example, cut this and this and make it for this amount of money? Or would you be willing to shift the pricing or you know the uh, the contract in this in this or this sense? There was very rarely this idea of you know a negotiate price negotiations um, between at least at the early stage, right? Once when we the the true deal came onto place, um, I don't remember if there was any specific point when it comes to. Uh, like, I don't think anything stand, stand it out as a specific point of most of biggest, biggest importance. Um, but everything was also, we had our lawyers, uh, that were in cooperation with us going through the publishing agreement. So everybody, uh, every point was basically equally important to us and to the publisher. Um, from big stuff and big ideas of how the milestones will be uh, delivered and how will they will be reviewed and the time they will, the reviews will take up to things as you know who will get the royalties from um, optional merch or merchandise or all the 
um, how will the sequels work? And every, you know, every part of that contract was equally important to the publisher and to us. And I don't remember there was a standout point going that that was sort of a, a make or break, for example, for the publisher. If, if I can get on my like old man soapbox for a minute, what you experienced is something that I see a lot and it, sh it, it shocks and disappoints me. It's like it, people don't seem to want to negotiate anything anymore. And I see it not only with, with publishers and developers, but I see it with investors and I see it even with our own clients. We have, a client that came back and we said, okay, look, this is the pricing model that we have. And they're like, well, can you do this instead? And I was like, oh my God, yes, let's, no one does this anymore. It's, yeah. it, it is one of those things that for better or for worse, you don't see a lot of negotiation, which, you know, needs to be said because developers who may go out with a pitch deck and there's like, well, we need 600, but we're going to ask for 800 because the publisher is probably going to negotiate it down. You can't count on that. And you're running right. the risk of, you know, if somebody's ceiling for funding is 700, you just you're, missed you're, out on an opportunity. So you're crossed out. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. It's um, that's a, that's a good point that we don't talk about very often, but I, I see that as well. And it, it, it makes me sad. I like negotiating <laughs> a little bit. And if it's, it's even, there's no, this, uh, and I don't know how it works internally in those, you know, big publishing um, like firms or corporations, uh, because, you know, if um, maybe they have just so many studios and so many people make games right now and there's everybody is established and they have, you know, like so many ideas and everything that they that don't need to worry about just every day, they'll come somebody new with a new idea. So they don't have to, but even this, you know, like uh, once you um, establish, once you commit your time right to meeting a, a team and getting to know everybody and their ideas and everything and everything seems to be in order and checks out at least this idea yeah okay guys your idea maybe won't work but we have this sort of project in our backlines would you like to work on it or would you be willing to do this like trying to find some kind of business deal a partnership in one way or another but we've never encountered such uh, such a proposition even, right? Not even once. And that's also a little bit we were weirded out, right? So maybe it's it's something that you need to get with experience and with more products ex established. That's when the moment that you, again, like break through, right? The big boy table. <laughs> um, but that was, you know, something that so far at least um, we haven't been able to get there. Um, also this uh, little bit we were... I don't know, maybe like weirded out when it comes to publishers between this big like push and pull style of uh, requiring um, like the things that your project requires. Like on one this on one side, it has to be unique. It has to be have this unique selling point, and it has to be really original and. You know, it has to be like this magnetic new thing that everybody will jump on. But on the other hand, it totally has to be like this huge other game that sold real well. And if it's, you know, like if it's not both of those things, we also sound like, no, like even you have, if, it, if you have like a, there are some exceptions, right? Some literally exemplar ideas of, of some really unique games. 
but from at least our this our our experience when you present a game that is very unique and could be fun and interesting but it's hard to compare to another product it's very hard for the publisher to say yes um, because bottom line and this is something that we understood like down the line um they are a business when it comes to you know like shareholders and money making right and they are their main goal in this one way or another is is to market a product market a game and and sell it and if they find it hard to and this is something a little bit i find that the, i think publishers got a little bit too lazy in some aspects because the moment they think that okay we have no idea how to market this we have no idea who to sell this to looks cool but we have no idea for the marketing let's let's not get into it like it's too risky uh, to to even go forward so this this idea that you know your your idea or game has to be really unique and really new and have some a lot of good ideas but totally but this this it has to be the next diablo right or the next gta so this is something that we know who the client is and we know how to create the marketing for that and we are sure that it will make money and there is no middle ground right so that's that is also uh, something that we bounced off a lot of times it, it is partly because there are so many games out there i mean i can tell you that from experience when when you've got mid-tier indie publishers being pitched three thousand games a year you know that and that's a real number i mean yes you, you do get that whole complacency of well it's not exactly what we want so we're going to say no because there's going to be something else coming in the near future or we're already looking at something that's different there are publishers out there who are not afraid to take on games that don't fit into a mold but they are the minority I mean that that that's just the reality of it. The 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 further you get on that AAA spectrum, away from the true true indie publishers, you're going to see much more reasons to say no. You know, it, it, it's it's just. But that's a that's a that's a fact of the industry right now. There's just a lot of games out there. People sure. people don't hire our firm to go because they can't find good games. They hire us because we can weed out the bad ones before and quicker than a lot of people do. Um, so Enrique's got a good question here for you. For how many publishers did you send your pitch? Did you try all the publishers or only the ones that looked compatible? I don't remember the exact number. I could look it up and maybe post it in the chat some uh, something later, just as a, as a follow-up. Um, but basically, all the ones that uh, you could think of top of your head, we probably contacted them. Um, and not only those, uh, the most important ones and the biggest ones, but also those dedicated uh, to indie development and those mid-tier uh, publishers, we've contacted them. And what was the second part of the question? Sorry, I forgot. Oh, the, the, the second part was, did you go to everybody or did you, you know, triage the ones down that just looked like they were a good fit? Um, yeah, we did triage some of them. Like when we, okay, we didn't come, what to say, we didn't contact, like we didn't contact Rockstar, for example. Uh, <laughs> but uh, those are the things that we, for example, like um, left out, right? 
but um, all the publishers uh, that are not strictly into AAA releases um, and had a contact form in one way or another, we did contact them. So another question here from LinkedIn, did the Kickstarter gains campaign impact the repetition as it compromises a form of pre-sales? In other words, do publishers ask for a percentage on Kickstarter pre-sales? Um, from what I remember, uh, to be uh, quite frank uh, here, um, when the Kickstarter for Radio Commander was launching, I was not yet on board with the firm. So this is some of the things that I'm saying here, a little bit hearsay. Um, from what I remember, um, when it comes to the Radio Commander Kickstarter campaign, and as I said, this is from the my, my friends from the team, uh, they told me, um, it was hell of a, a lot of work because it was um, all on the uh, all on our side. The whole campaign was created by us. It was the, at that time the publisher had nothing to do with it, and um, so the, during that times uh, there was a big boom. Still, we, the the height it was almost the height of the Kickstarter phenomenon, so to say. So all the Kickstarters, and I think it's still at that point, um, to stand out and to be unique, there's a huge amount of work to make it. It's a surprising amount of work to make it stand out. When it comes to the graphics, uh, the all the, uh, the GIFs, the creations, the layout of the whole page, the amount of, even the amount of marketing text you need to create and the uh, the form behind it and the ideas that you have to uh, create behind all the unlockables need to be created because it's hard to think of an idea on the spot, right? So a huge amount of work. Um, when it, and not a lot of, as it, the, the way uh, the Radio Commander Kickstarter was created, um, but not... Uh, the, the amount of work was not, for example, uh, so to, to clarify, um, the Kickstarter would have to be a lot bigger to facilitate the amount of work, so to create, the, to, to finance the production, so to say. It was more, uh, still, it was more to create the um, marketing, the buzz, and just to have this, you know, this addition, this creation of, we had a successful Kickstarter. So I still believe it's very often created this way, that very often uh, a lot of indie games and creators were lower the amount of you know, financing behind Kickstarter just to make your Kickstarter uh, complete, right? just to make it. Um, and I think it's a, in a sense, it's still a good, still evil to say, but a good practice. Because the moment that you go over the green line and you can say in your marketing materials and other, we had a successful Kickstarter, that's still a bit of a punchline that goes through it. But to um, hold this idea that you can finance your goal strictly on Kickstarter um, at this moment, I think that's wishful thinking. I think that both tailed uh, a bit uh, a long ago. Again, there's, oh, there will always be exceptions, and I'm sure that tomorrow there'll be a game that will hit record high on Kickstarter, and they'll prove me like, dude, you're 
talking bullshit. <laughs> uh, but I still think that will be the, that will be the exception. Um, so you cannot budget, uh, you cannot plan your budgeting for a successful Kickstarter. I, I think you're safe, Morrison. I don't, I don't think anyone's, you know, in the near future is going to prove that Kickstarter is the end all be all. You're always going to have success cases, but it's so hard to, you know, have a successful and I put a lot of work in it. I think, I think you'll yeah. be okay. It'll, also, I, to strictly, also to strictly answer the idea behind the percentage of the publisher cut on the uh, on the Kickstarter idea, I think that is strictly the way you negotiate with your publisher. Uh, from what I remember, um, it was it wasn't any different from the way we sold uh, the full release uh, the game later on. So there were no differences between uh, Kickstarter sales and the full release sale. It's um. I've never seen a publisher do that. I'm not going to go and say that there's not some that try, but the general reality is if they didn't help with the Kickstarter, then they shouldn't be getting a, a piece of anything. Um, all right, we got one more quick question, and this one's probably more for me than anyone else, and then we're going to talk about Unity, so get ready for that shit storm. Cool. Um, so are there any dedicated scouts and agents out there that provide services like demo review plus budget review plus pitch review plus in-depth development chart review for money or from closed deal or equity? Yes, Igor, uh, the Powell Group does that. Um, just reach out directly to me. It's a flat fee. We don't take a percentage of your deal. Um, but yeah, we, we do that at a detailed level. And then if you want it at a free level every single week on the... Discord, we have pitch deck and marketing plan reviews that are open to everybody and doesn't cost you a single thing. Um, all right. So uh, if you are in this chat, you know what's going on with Unity because otherwise I don't know which rock you would have been under, but it's been a big one. You are developing in Unity. What is your take on the last three days? <laughs> Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so um, I'll start with this, that when the, you know, the crap hit the fan, uh, I was very invested, uh, in a sense, in uh, in the whole ordeal. I was really late night stalking the Unity forum, and I was really baffled. And I actually, there were, there are some questions from me on the Unity forum when I was repeating my questions, and I'm uh, part of this. I don't know, right? The moment, two hundred long page. Oh my god! Most yeah. monster. And that topic. was like within three hours. There were two hundred and some pages. Two hundred some pages of that forum. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was there, right? So yeah. I, have, <laughs> I, I have proved that I was there. Um I think I think the main the main my grudge with the whole ordeal is is a bit different than the main anger. Uh, like I think what I saw on the forum and all what people were fo focusing on was strictly trying to calculate and provide an example of where a firm would Bank, go bankrupt because of the new idea, right? Because of the new pricing. And there was some very creative ways of showing, you know, that this whole segment of gaming will die because of it, or uh, my, my specific idea or my specific project would die because of this, um, this pricing um, 
structure, right? But I got to say that almost every one of those examples had some sort of a misconception, uh, be it a misconception about the, uh, the realities of the deal that was presented by Unity, uh, or a misconception because of what Unity said and then backtracked from. And what for me was, like I said, was most baffling behind the whole, whole idea was that such a big publicly traded company as you know, like um, Unity, and they are doing also TV, and they right now really want to fight with Unreal on, uh, you know, movie creation and game creation, and they're like a big company. Like, like this is the way that they communicate this sort of stuff. That you know, there's some sort of a random blog post and a Twitter feed and a 200 long topic on a, some kind of forum and this is like their main channel of communication without any examples without any you know uh, proper examination of the whole like idea like throw this kind of idea to you know like take i don't know 50 or 60 users from the forum and go hey guys this is something that we will announce what do you think about it? Give us you know, like an internal feedback behind this, right? Well, apparently like, there were internal. I mean, it's coming out now. Several of the Unity employees have said, we raised all of these questions internally. And then they, I don't know that even they had a heads up on it because there's been people who have left, what's the word I'm looking for? Resigned from Unity this week. Mm -hmm. You know, there's several of them that said, you know, we knew these questions were going to be an issue. We raised this internally, and then they apparently did not even give the rest of the company a heads up. They just dropped this blog post and tweet. Right. So still, this is the, the, the most idea. This is the most baffling thing for me, right? Because the thing that people are most angry behind that first, the thing that there is a new cost. This is something that is hard to swallow, but because everything is getting more expensive, it's something that why way on another, I can understand, right? That there is, for example, the company Unity as a company that needs to make money somehow says that, okay, everything we need to structure our financing differently, we need to rethink it. This is something that we have to add. Cool. As also many people uh, in this, uh, in the topic said that we would be okay with a ref share like Unreal does. Cool. Also, the way, for example, in this uh, golden ticket scenario, right, of what Unity proposed, when you actually did the calculations and there were some really cool, you know, like spreadsheets, um, posted on the forum, it was really hard to find a specific example where you would pay more or, or uh, to phrase it differently in like the vast majority of cases and those typical like indie developer cases, you would pay more using Unreal than using Unity. Um, it's just the like the way at least as I, I did those calculations for our company, 
it would be hard to hit this limit of you know like installs per whatever that means right but to hit this magical installs limit to uh, to get above the prices of this five percent revenue share that that unreal gets but i think and, part of the problem is unity one has betrayed a shitload of trust by saying this is yes. retroactive most of the time when engines or service companies or whoever it is make these changes they say with the next update if you choose to get into it this is going to be the new pricing they're going back and saying oh we're just changing everything but the other one is i agree if someone could do accurate projections but right now i don't believe anyone can do an accurate projection because unity has no way of they have not yeah. shown that they have any way of exactly that and the thing that the main the, like still the baffling thing is that this this is that you're putting yourselves uh, your company uh, i'm talking uh, unity as a company and also the developer as companies uh, like for example even in our case we have a new idea right and we would like to pitch the idea to the publisher and the moment we say that at, at, at this very moment, right, in those few, I still believe it will be a week or two weeks or three weeks, when we specify somewhere that we want to create the project in Unity, there will be some, a little bit of smell, right, behind it, right? So, yeah, but, you know, there's some problems with Unity right now and how do you approach it and everything. And this is something that, you know, as a... As a as a decision-making tool, right? This is something that really destroys this, as you said, trust in the product and the in the and the tool that you are supposed to make the, the your your game in. And this whole idea that it's so hard to like pinpoint the, as you said, the budgeting behind the game because you're unsure how many copies it will sell and how unsure how many installs it will make, as still whatever that means, right? because it's still unspecified and you have this big question mark because there's some kind of a magical black box that unity has proprietary whatever behind their backs to specify how many installs it makes and because it's so hard to provide this budgeting um, concrete information in your pitch deck for a publisher this it will always come up in one way or another, right? Like, okay, guys, I imagine myself in a in a meeting or a pitch meeting. Okay, okay, guys, but what will you do if Unity raises its prices again? Yeah. The only thing you can do is I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do next, right? I'm sure there'll be a blog post in two months that will do something completely different. And, and it's like it's it's really, as I said, like trust. The the amount of lost trust is. Um, unimaginable. The so, so they can't accurately track installs because they claim to have some way of knowing if a game was pirated or not, which is bullshit. They don't. Of course. Right. And so anyone out there who's even looking at something like Game Pass too, and they're like, oh, well, don't worry about it. The distributor is going to pay that. You can't tell me that someone at Microsoft is not going to sit down and look at two games that are roughly equal in every other way and then go oh we'll take the unity one they're not going to they're going to take the okay. unreal one 
so I really want to get this out because it's been sitting for, with me like for how how many days or hours has it, it been? It from... feels like a month, but I think it's only really been like three days. Yeah. Yeah. So still, after three days, and I think my four four uh, four uh, topics on the monster thread, still on the main Unity website, unity.com slash pricing slash dash updates, when you have the main FAQ behind the product that it's still on their website, like this big company, whatever, there is this big bolded question, who is charged the Unity runtime fee? This is the thing we are talking about, right? The Unity mm -hmm. runtime fee. Yep. Who is charged the Unity runtime fee? Question mark. The answer? The Unity runtime fee will be charged to the entity that distributes the runtime. And I still, after those days, I have no idea how that is going to work. Like, we are not the distributors of the runtime. Valve is. Microsoft is. Sony. Nintendo. Have they had any say in this? Like, no. I don't think like <laughs> I don't think Valve will send us um, um, an invoice, or you know that we'll be getting invoices from Nintendo one day or another. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. So, who is going to pay these fees? Like, if this is your main FHQ saying that, and even if it's they such so a PR say, disaster, right? Hypothetically, they convince the platform holders. Who's what we're we're going to call the 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 assumed distributors? So they convince Sony and Microsoft and Google and Apple and Nintendo and Valve and all of these other. They convince them that they're going to pay it. Do you know what's going to happen next? Every single one of those companies' definite definition of net receipts in their agreement is going to now include that fee. So the developers are going to get stuck with it one way or another. Well, it'll be bumped up for sure. Yeah. Like it won't be just the fee. They have to also cover the, uh, you know, they'll add systems that count the installs and whenever it, it will, of course, be higher, right? Because they'll want to make a profit because it's work for them. And it's like logical that they have to have some financing, you know, accountants that there's another expense on their part and they need to cover it. And it costs money and time. It costs time and time is money, right? So. Yeah. The cost will be bigger. Question that this is also a question I was asking: Will this bill be forward to the end user on the price of the product, or would this be billed to the developer? Uh, because I, also there was this cute little, you know, like cute little I don't know if it's in this GIF in one of those topics where you saw um, there was this green button uh, on the St Steam page download. But it was you know, like, yeah, you can click download, but it's like every click of this button costs you one cent or something. Yes. So you need to approve your Steam wallet for every time you click the green button as an end user. Maybe that what, will be the new reality, but I, I don't think so. What we're seeing here, and I, and I said this on the Discord the other day, is you're seeing the absolute difference between a publicly traded company whose responsibility is to their shareholders versus companies like Epic and Godot and these other ones that are private companies. And they don't have that, you know, they don't have to keep shareholders happy. That's yep. the big difference that you're seeing here is because, you know, Unity's profit isn't what it needs to be. So they brought in the XEA, 
CEO, which should have been your first warning in the first place, and now they're going to fix it. I mean, it's it's. I I seriously thought the Wizards of the Coast debacle this year with the OGL would be the biggest oh my god fuck up I had seen in years, but <laughs> Unity just said hold my beer and they jumped right in you know with and one that, it, that's worse. It wasn't the only it it was um, in a sense it, in a sense right. Um, it is a tool of the trade for me right for and for mm -hmm. my company. Uh, yeah. So it is something that I would like for it to succeed, but they were already, you could like, so to say, tell that something is going on. And when it comes to, you know, this idea of shareholder, uh, shareholders and the, the way that uh, creating a good tool is in a sense, not really the main goal. The goal right now is to create interest for the share price, right? Mm -hmm. And the way you see it is, for example, every time a new buzzword came up, Unity was really fast on that shit. So when there was idea, okay, yeah, virtual movie production is the hot bomb right now. Okay, we'll buy Weta, we'll buy the you know, character creator. Let's create this huge demo. This is the new thing for Unity. And now it's like then in the water. Now no new news. It's completely different, right? The moment like there was a short period, NFTs were the bomb, right? Okay, we'll create huge new services, and our game engine will provide backend for NFT integration. It will be super cool and everything. Ah, oh, buzzwords. Yeah, let's go for it. That's interesting. Yeah, do it. And even now, right? AI is the bomb, right? This is the new thing. Yeah, there will be so many free services right now, and your the AI engines, the neural whatever will have will be integrated into the editor by all our all your creators will make you know like one click, and the game will make it by itself. But it will just die out. The, we never see those things, those updates. We never like this is a buzzword that puts the you know the price a few dollars up. Uh -huh. It stays there for a month, for two months, and there's another new buzzword. Like it bumps the price two or three dollars up. And if, if you look at what happened when they made this announcement, their stock went up. They did, yeah. Yeah, but then <laughs> within hours, it went right back down with all yeah. with all the backlash. Um, we could go on like this for hours. The um, I'm pondering, thinking about putting together for those out there listening, a early week next week discussion just on Unity because oh my god, um, part of me wants to see what implodes over the weekend before I do that. Though, um, Marson, thank you so much. I mean, we've already gone a little bit over our hour. I appreciate it. You have, especially for a lot of these teams that are getting ready to go into that state of finding a publisher you've brought some very good advice to the table. Is there anything, this is your chance to plug, support, sell, whatever. Do you have anything you want to plug? Well, I do want to plug like high hopes and we are keeping our thumbs for all the developers that Unity won't die because learning a new engine and going into C++ will be a pain in the butt <laughs> if Unity goes under. So I'd like to uh, plug in for you know for the Unity to get a get a grip on itself and not go under um, because it's a it's a cool tool and you know I'm sure there are other cool tools but but let's not uh, let's not hang it yet. 
And when it comes uh, when it comes to like personal plugins, uh, of course, uh, head out to our um, to our page. You can find us at seriousim.net. There's some updates uh, coming soon when it comes to uh, to our biggest project right now. So that's he heading out. And there was a big news um, soon, sooner than later, actually, at this moment. So we're getting towards the moment where we're going from under the ground. There'll be some big announcements soon. And also, thank you for your time. And it was a pleasure being here and talking to you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. You want me to go for it, Jay? Go for it. Go for it. Okay, well, first... We know you want to network, right? So join our awesome, awesome Discord, discord.gg slash indie game business. It's the perfect place to engage in stimulating discussions, share ideas, and collaborate with uh, other game developers. And post uh, pictures of your dog now. Yeah, pictures of your dog now. <laughs> I mean, that's super important. I I'm pretty sure there's a meme channel too where you can post memes. IGB merch. You, you know you want some indie game business merch. Streamlabs.com slash indie game business. And if you go to indiegame.business, you can sign up for our newsletter. You can get that awesome list of all the publishers. And you can also sign up for the next Indie Game Business Conference. It's September 26th and 27th. So it's not next week, but the week after. September 26th and 27th, you can network. There's a ton of great speakers. You can see all the speakers and what the slots are and all of that. So you can sign up for that and click on the links to be like, I want to watch this stuff. It's it's really good stuff. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Bershon. Thank you, Dan. All right, everybody. Thanks, Jay. Thanks. Hey. Everybody have a good weekend. You too. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business. Oh, thank you.